It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am DJ Scruggs, along with my partner, Adam Adams. Hello, everybody. Adam, we've got a... Um, we thought we uh, had hit the top the other day. We talked to someone who did over 100 houses a year. Right. <laughs> um, but we got a guy today who does, you know, 100. It's like just getting started for him. So uh, I want to introduce the audience to Kent, Kent Clothier. Hi, Kent. What's happening, guys? How are you? Doing fantastic. We're good. But tell us that number. You shared us right before the interview. Like, uh, how many properties do you do a year? Yeah, so our um, – I'm not going to sit here and claim I, that I do them, but I will tell you that our organization, our family, we uh, buy and sell roughly about 700 to 750 properties a year and have done that now consistently for the last few years. Wow. Wow. So, um, yeah, I mean that, that, that's amazing. I'm sure we'll, we'll want to ask you some more questions about that. But before we do that, can you just sort of uh, – give us your origin story. How did you get into this whole real estate game in the, in the first place? Yeah, sure. I uh, I got started back in uh, December of 2002. Up until that point, I had been in the grocery industry, more specifically the grocery arbitrage industry. So I was really buying and selling truckloads of groceries on the gray market, doing <laughs> uh, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars a year, basically. And uh, so when I was 30 years old, I was running a business that was doing roughly, I think, $1.8 billion a year in sales. Jeez. And uh, make a very long story short, Kind of got ran out of that because I was a little, a little full of myself, a little cocky at 30 years old, having that that much success. And so, after about 13 years of doing that, I got ran out of there, and it, and it led me down a path over the course of the next two years where I ended up watching one of those late night infomercials, mm-hmm. and got got uh, was just desperate enough, just beat up enough, and just broke enough that I needed to get involved. And so I went and saw a guy talking about wholesaling in West Palm Beach, Florida. Got involved with wholesaling and. That's how I got basically into the game. Uh, did my first wholesale deal January 2003. My first year did roughly 91 deals, made over a million dollars, and Holy I was God. kind of set set at that point. And so over the course of the last, I guess, I guess we're now 14 years into it. Um, you know, we've kind of turned it into a really big business. Turned it into where we buy and sell a lot of properties at this point. Now we've got property management that's that's in place, manages 4,500 properties for investors and. It's kind of morphed into this whole whole other thing, as as you say. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that that's incredible. I mean, ninety one properties in your first <laughs> year that's that's pretty incredible. So is it is that still the dominant piece of your business, the wholesaling? You mentioned property management as well. Yeah, I mean, our, you know, I, what I can tell you is that wholesaling is still a big part of our business. Buying and selling, our turnkey operation is from a real estate perspective is still uh, is now the, the biggest thing we do. Right, so we buy. In Memphis, and Dallas, Houston, Little Rock, um, we buy pro- in Oklahoma City. We buy properties, fix them up, turn around, and turn them into a performing asset. Put a put a tenant in place, and then turn around and sell that performing asset to investors in a passive way. We do that, like I said, seven seven hundred fifty times a year now. We manage we're one of the largest property management companies in Texas. Uh, we are the largest property management company in the state of Tennessee. Um, with investors from all over the world at this point to do that. And then on top of all that, we wholesale a lot of properties. And on top of all that, we have an education company that roughly has got about 60,000 users on our software. So wow. we got to come at us from every angle at this point. That's, that's really amazing. So um, one thing about you, uh, Kent, is, uh, you know, this is a creative real estate podcast, and you have uh, a way of looking at um, 
wholesales that's kind of backwards from uh, the rest of the world, going and finding a right. property and then looking for the buyer. Do you want to talk, talk to us a little bit about the creative strategy that you're implementing and how it's working? Yeah, I mean, people ask me all the time how, what, how when I, first off, how I got started uh, in a place where I, could, where I do the, where we do the kind of volume that we do, number one. And then number two, how do we even come up with that strategy? So I'll kind of touch on both of it. One, you can't do six, 700 properties a year. Uh, or you can't even do 100 properties a year without some type of systems and processes in place, right? If you're just yeah. chasing from deal to deal to deal, that's the, you, you don't own anything at that point. The, the business owns you. Yeah. And so and so from, from my standpoint, you know, I, I was very, very fortunate in that, uh, again, from, from a very young age, from the time I was 17 till 30, I, I ran a business that was wildly successful. I had very little appreciation for it, um, but the – what made it so successful was a concept that I'd come up with was, which I did not think that was re that revolutionary, which was basically, why don't I just go ask my customers what they want to buy and give it to them? And I mean, it just sounds, you know, when you say it, it sounds like, like such common sense, but the reality of it is, is most businesses don't function that way. So, and you did the, uh, this just to be clear, this is with groceries, right? This was with groceries, right? So you would so basically go to them and say, what, how much zucchini do you need this week? I mean, yeah, instead of, instead of me going and finding something and selling it to you, why don't you just tell me what you want to buy and let me go find it? Yeah. You know, why don't you just tell me? Uh, yeah. So what, what that business was is that, uh, for, I'll give you an example. Kraft would come out and say, Hey, we want, we're running a special on Kraft mac and cheese and we're going to go sell. We want to get market share in Miami, Florida. So we'll go sell a hundred trucks of mac and cheese in Miami, Florida at a 50% discount. Well, the moment that they do that in order to gain market share in Miami, Florida, they, they effectively sold the same item in one market at a substantial discount than what they're selling in any other market. So, it were, so, so it was guys like me that were very clever that would come in and say, I'm just going to buy as many of those truckloads as I can and go ship them to other markets. <laughs> and so, and so that was what my business was. And it, the problem was it was very lucrative and it was great business. But the problem was, is we were all trying to sell the exact same Kraft mac and cheese, right? The moment that that happened, we were at the mercy of somebody else's whim. And so what created our, our business and what kind of made us the leader and made us a giant very quickly was this concept of why don't we just go ask Kroger and Winn-Dixie and every major retailer in the country, what do you want to buy? How much do you want to pay for it? How many trucks do you want to buy? And when do you want me to deliver it to you? Nice. And at that point, the moment I had that kind of information, now it just became my job to go and back into, hey, this is what I want to buy. This is how much I can afford to pay you because I knew what I wanted to make as a profit. I knew how much it cost me to ship it. It made my life infinitely easier and I wasn't competing with anybody. And so we took that exact same philosophy that I'd had so much success with in the grocery industry. We took it when I got into the real estate industry and did the exact same thing. And basically we decided to go off into our markets and say, let's just go find every cash buyer because they exist. You know, the market what, what, out there. Yeah. What most people have zero, zero appreciation for is that between 30 and 50% of all real estate transactions to this day in every market are cash. And cash buyers are investors and they want to buy a lot and they want to buy multiples and they're buying for investment. They want to, they know exactly what they want the returns to be everything. I mean, everything about it is just easier. There's no guesswork involved. Hmm. And so if I just go and build relationships with cash buyers and asking that same concept, where do you want to buy? How much do you want to pay? When do you want to take delivery? How many of them can you take? 
-hmm. and effectively then go and direct all of my efforts from a seller marketing campaign and and move in a very intentional way to just go create those opportunities. Because if I know what a cash... If I know a cash buyer wants to pay $200,000 for a three-bedroom, two-bath, 2,000-square-foot house in the southeast part of the county, well, my life as an investor gets real simple. (laughs) I just need to go find something in the southeast part of the county, a three-bedroom, two-bath, 2,000-square-foot house for something less than $200,000 that I can make the spread I want to make. Mm-hmm. And and so when that happens, I mean, I, I presumably you got a database of all these people and, and kind of what mm-hmm. they're what it is they're looking for. So is it to the level of when mm-hmm. you or, or one of your acquisition people goes out and looks at a property, do they already have a buyer in mind when they're doing it? Well, they certainly I, I would, I'm not going to go as far as to say they have a buyer in mind, but they've done enough research that they know that they've stacked they've stacked the deck in their favor. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best, best way I would go to describe it. Right. So in other words, they certainly understand that the only place they're looking for properties or certainly the only place they're spending money to look for properties. That's probably the best way to say it is in areas where they fully understand that there is pent up demand. In other words, I know buyers will buy this and I know the price that they will pay. Now, whether I choose to sell it to them or not is strictly up to me. Mm-hmm. I may pull it off and turn it into a rental. I may turn it into my own rehab, whatever the case may be, but I have absolutely stacked the deck in my favor and I understand the demand that is in that market for what I'm trying to create. And by doing that, I'm, you know. Uh-oh, we're, we're getting a little bit of. You're a brand new investor. You got to think about it. Did, did, did I break up there for a second? Yeah, you did. Yeah, just so for a moment. Just go ahead and repeat like the last 10 seconds there. Okay. So what I was going to say is the one thing that trips up most brand new investors is the idea of, oh my God, what do I offer on a house? on a property, right? I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right price is. I don't know what the right price point is, any of that kind of stuff. And then the second thing is, is then what do I do if I actually get it under contract? How do I go off and get it sold? And, you know, they're commonly told, well, if you get it at the right price and it's dip, and it's a deep enough discount, then the buyers will just magically appear. And I do not subscribe to that at all. Uh-huh. Although I made a fortune with it. I just think it's just a dumb way to do business. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's probably a good segue because <clears throat> I think the, the most common advice you'll hear is go out and find a deal and then bring it to your real estate meetup and just tell everyone you know. And if it's a good deal, people will buy. But it sounds like you're saying go out and find the buyers and then you know, tailor the deal to them. So how do, you, how do you go find the buyers? Well, in the past, when I first started doing this many years ago, you know, if, you, if you really think about it, it's all public record. Mm-hmm. Um, every real estate transaction, a deed is recorded, right? A, a deed of transfer is recorded. And at the exact same time, if a mortgage is recorded then or a prom, prom note, that, that's recorded at the exact same time, right? Uh, so if you have one without the other, how did they buy it? Right. Cash, period. And so we used to go do this manually. We used to go down and, and go down into the courthouse and go look up all this stuff manually. And it was basically, this is what saved our business in 2000 and Seven in 2008, when I really started doing this in a heavy, heavy way, 2009, 2010, all the banks dried up. Everybody's going out of business. Every real estate investor that I knew of was out of business, and our business was doubling and tripling in volume. Um, and because we didn't need banks, we were just dealing with cash buyers. And yeah. so that was um, a real wake-up call to us is that how how much this protected our business by dealing with these people, right? And so what we did then – and was we quickly figured out that we had to automate this because if we wanted to take it to scale. We needed to, to really figure out how to do this on a national level. So back in 2009, we 
created uh, a system that goes off and finds all of these cache buyers in any any county in the United States in real time. And so now that's that's where, where I was mentioning earlier, we have roughly about 60,000 people that use our software. I mean, we have a, a piece of software that has all the cash buyers, all the private lenders, all the vacant properties, you know, all of this is now push button easy for us, but it didn't certainly didn't start that way. Yeah. I mean, we just, all, all of this was born out of our necessity to take it to scale. Um, and so, and were you applying, few, were you applying you just, I mean, you've got some technology, just tell it, what is your website? You have a website for this product, right? Or for several of these products. Yeah, I mean, if people just—I mean, the name of my company is Real Estate Worldwide. So people just go to reww.com. They can certainly find out more about the software and everything right there. It's super easy. Or just look me up, kentclothier.com. I mean, I'm not hard to find. That's for sure. <laughs> and so you, but I'm guessing, did did you already have these sort of systems when you you mentioned the process of find the buyers? So were you able to kind of leverage some of the systems expertise you'd had with the? Um, with the uh, grocery arbitrage? I mean, oh, was actually, no, I, had no I, I, I literally had no software experience whatsoever. Still don't have any software experience. Mm -hmm. um, basically, what I what we had, um, I, if, I, if I had to kind of, you know, people ask me a lot of times about, you know, what, what kind of is your, what's your superpower? And I would tell you my superpower is that I just don't have a lot of patience for the nonsense. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money to be made in this industry and many other industries by making things seem very, very complicated. And I'm just one of these guys who's, I just want to know the fastest and simplest way to get the result. I'm a very bottom line guy. How do I get, you know, I don't want the labor. I just want the baby, right? Just get, <laughs> get me there as fast as I can get there. And how, and then once I get to that place where it's just, you know, there's a lot of elegance and simplicity. Make it as simple as I can. And then once I make it as simple as I can, then at that point, the beauty of that, and which I'm very passionate about, is that it becomes very simple for me to put people in place to handle those processes, right? So if you think about it, right, at this point, we're flipping hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of properties each and every year. But my family and I are, although we're involved I mean, there's a lot of other people involved in the in these in this process now, right? I mean, that are really doing these deals down at the at the at that kind of level, at the granular level. We're not really involved at a granular level anymore, and that's all because there's a lot of simple. There's it's just a very straightforward process. This is the box it needs to fit into. This is what a buyer wants to pay for it. This is how much we want to make on it. Here's what we believe it's going to require in rehab. So this is the price we're going to pay. Yes, no, there are no maybes. Either it's in or it's out, and we move on. Hmm. And the beauty of kind of getting into that mindset and getting into that place is that's where real freedom comes from. And then if you're very, if, you know, if we're all honest here, that's why we all get into real estate. That's why we all get into business in general is to create freedom. So what's the point of creating a job? Let's just go and get right to the point of creating freedom. Yep. I, I was just thinking to myself, um, as I think about the way that you did your grocery business, the way that you're doing your reverse wholesales to be able to um, get a faster result, um, just was uh, talking about the same thing with my partners. We do real estate syndications for apartment buildings, and mm -hmm. uh, we you know, have been finding properties all over, and the numbers work for what we're thinking, but it, sometimes it's harder to get the investors to, to join into uh, Connecticut or some other place where um, they're not used to investing. And so we, we've been just talking about this exact same thing. Just for the listeners, this is a good way to kind of show that it's not just wholesaling because we've decided to 
go to all the people that want to invest and say, where do they want to invest? They're wanting to go to Georgia or Florida or Tennessee or whatever. Or locally. And then we, and we, take the, we go and say, what kinds of apartments do they want to put their money in? And then we've, we, now we're, we've uh, hired a couple acquisitions people who, who only focus on, like, North Carolina because yeah. we can pull the money together really, really fast because everybody wants to be in North Carolina. And so this, it's just it's really awesome. I mean, I didn't even realize um, that I was following you at the time, yeah. but, but it's, it's the exact same concept. You can do it with wholesaling, with groceries, with apartment syndications, uh, and probably other things. Just cut out well, the stuff like- and go right into it. Yeah, I mean, it's a. I mean, if you, you know, again, guys, I've been doing this for a long time, and I can tell you what I've certainly come to appreciate. One of the things I've come to appreciate is that there's no point in building a business that 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 doesn't serve you and is not that isn't the business you want it to be. And that starts with having the customers that you want, which means if you have the customers that you want, then you got to provide them with the product that that they want. Mm -hmm. And so, starting with the end in mind, starting with you first. Hey, this is the business I want, which means these are the kinds of clients I want, which means I have to provide these types of services to those clients and kind of just working backwards just makes sense. The problem is, is very rarely is it done, right? So people get involved in this business and they do, they chase money. Oh man, this looks like a great deal. That looks like a great deal. Let me go try this. And they try to do Mm -hmm. it, be a jack of all trades. And they're kind of just going after every little opportunity that they get. And they end up running themselves into the ground. And again, the business owns them. They don't own anything. They own a job. And so that's, you know, that's the big aha, right? The epiphany as for the people that are listening is that when you start with the end in mind and you work backwards from there, then you have, then what you're doing is actually creating the result that you actually want versus the result, you know, you it being dictated to you because you're so busy just trying to rub two nickels together and figure out how to make it work. Yep. Yeah, that, that that's fantastic. I, I mean, it really goes to to show that. I mean, you sort of went. We, we talk about creativity or being creative in real estate, but you're talking about creating, right? So, like, figure yeah. out exactly what it is you want and work backwards, and and you know maybe go against the grain a little bit. Just because everyone else stands up in an RE, uh, you know, a RIA meeting with a deal, uh, doesn't mean that's the only way you have to do it. Oh no, yeah, not even close, right? I mean, not even close. I mean, your buyers, when you go and build a really effective uh, cash buyers list, I mean, it's gold. It is the business. It's the whole business. I mean, I can promise you that you know people talk about nowadays. Oh man, there's inventory problems out there. You know who doesn't have an inventory problem? Somebody that's waving a wad of cash. <laughs> true right those guys never have inventory problems right just go ask the hedge funds how big of an inventory problem they have right and and then and so the problem it's not you don't have an inventory problem you have a competition problem and so if you want to solve a competition problem then you have to do something different you have to go get this band of cash buyers kind of behind you if you will this stable of people and you're suddenly speaking on behalf of millions and millions of dollars and when you can address a market any market and walk into a market and say Hey, I have five million dollars to spend on these types of deals, and I need to close all cash in the next thirty days. The one thing you will not have is an inventory problem. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you let the world know, that's fantastic. Well, we really appreciate your coming on, Kent. Um, and just just for people who may have missed it in the middle, uh, where's the best way to find you online? You can find me at kentclothier.com. Okay. Or also find me on Facebook. Just go look at Kent Clothier or uh, hit me up at reww.com. That's our uh, company name. If you want to, if you're interested in properties or anything, you certainly can go look up our company, memphisinvest.com as well. All all easy places to find us. Great. Thanks a lot for coming on, Kent. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.